Episode of Mike, Mike, and Oscar. I am your co-host, Mike One, co-host also Mike in a moment. The second part of two parts of an Oscar race checkpoint for you this week as we have a bunch of news, awards, and information to go over and recap in this episode. We're talking about what happened on the TIFF Awards stage as well as what else do we have in this episode, Mike? Well, yeah, beyond a new Best Picture frontrunner, we have an eight-point plan to fix the Oscars and a, and a long overdue tribute to one of the Academy's most neglected mm. persons. We have the Golden Globes coming back. Yeah, just a few, you know, light news stories <laughs> that uh, we probably should dedicate a little time to here. Yeah. <laughs> and as always, we're going to try to keep this into 20 minutes or less, and it will inevitably go 90 <laughs> to 120. Uh, let's start on the TIFF stage. The Grolsch Audience Award was given out, which is uh, one of the major precursors on the film festival circuit en route to crowning the eventual Oscars Best Picture winner. Uh, it went, maybe not so surprisingly, to Steven Spielberg's movie, The Fablemans, Michael. Yeah, I feel good that we led off our TIFF coverage with The Fablemans, even though we didn't mm-hmm. make a prediction, but I was I was kind of thinking that you know maybe we would handicap it and The Fablemans would have been the favorite. So a lot of people aren't surprised here. This was Steven Spielberg's first appearance at tiff and if you get steven spielberg to appear at tiff for the first time maybe you want to shower him with awards for a good movie which by all accounts the fablemans is a good movie uh Mm -hmm. it did beat out women talking and glass onion and knives out mystery those were the first two runners up i'm a little surprised by that much i thought the whale would have been in there based on its reception and the banshees of Inna sharon for that matter does that do anything different in terms of you know how you power rank these films coming out of the you know you know the September festivals, Michael. The idea, the how we got the finish one two three here of Fablemans, Women Talking Glass Onion. That's kind of what I saw a lot of people who are at TIFF predicting would be the finish. Okay. So I don't know that I was all that surprised because I had that pounded in my head by a couple big names. Mm-hmm. I don't know that I expected necessarily anything different, and I don't know that it necessarily changes how I view any of these movies either. I Maybe it makes Knives Out more of a Best Picture nominee possibility for me, if anything, but I still feel the way I feel about Brendan Fraser's chances, and I feel the way I feel about Woman Talking being a multi- multi-time nominee and The Fablemans being the frontrunner. I tell you, it helps me with Women Talking's candidacy because there was some cooling down of the fire, the blaze of buzz that we got out of Telluride after TIFF. And a lot of the pundits were coming, you know, that I've been listening to the last week. They were saying, well, women talking, screenplay, gonna be, we're going to have to figure out which actresses get nominated, but maybe it's not the best picture contender that we, we originally thought after the initial buzz. But here you have the TIFF audience, which is a lot of the industry, and certainly the the you know, a, a taste that is similar to what the Academy has been over the years. We're going to get into that in a minute. Women talking, that sounds to me like a much heavier contender than I would have thought. I would not have picked women talking in the heavy subject matter to be atop everybody's list in an audience award. That's that's good news for women talking. Interesting. But yet you were very high on it coming into the year, too, when we did our Oscars preview series. So, Well, I thought were... it would be vegetables. I thought it would, you know, 
Yeah. But here you have Sarah Polly apparently writing a funny script, and maybe that's built into the novel as well, but it's, it's a shockingly funny script with a bunch of incredible performances that somehow left the audiences feeling good, or at least feeling satisfied, I would say. So women talking, per, like that's that's wild to me. And, and I, I wonder if the Banshees of Sharon maybe it's a bummer and it's not going to win over the audiences as it's much. Maybe what I'm most surprised at. I mean, you can't, you got to think women talking is a bummer as well. So I don't know that that logic. The whale is up. supposedly a bummer. Yeah, that's true. So I, I may be most surprised at the Banshees of Sharon seeing as how well it did in Venice didn't make the top three, but I, of those top three that we have right now, mm-hmm. how many best picture nominees do you see of those three? I'd be surprised if glass onion got it. I would expect glass would onion too. getting like a screenplay and maybe an act actor involved. Yeah. I but would too. you never know. You never know. It, it might be that much of a crowd pleaser. Ryan Johnson's been in, in his heyday of late. We think, I mean, he's at the peak of his powers. So, who, who am I to underestimate him? So that I mean, but we kind of figured Glass Onion would be an audience award contender. Like that, that makes sense. Right? Sure. Women sure. talking uh, being there—that's that's a surprise to me. So yeah, good, good for them. I, I see the logic that, that you're getting at there. And I, the Fablemans make sense. The Fablemans make sense because you got this, you know, tribute to movie making, and you got this, you know, all the all the cinematic nostalgia based on everybody's experience with Steven Spielberg's whole career and the fact mm-hmm. that he was there walking around TIFF and doing all those appearances. And, and then he comes out with a quote like this quote, this is the most personal film I have made. And the warm reception from everybody in Toronto made my first visit to TIFF intimate and personal for me and my entire Fableman's family, unquote. He's, he was gushing, you know, throughout his, uh, mm. his statements. He, he doesn't do film festivals, he hasn't hadn't gone, I think, since early in his career, and here he he he's the toast of Toronto. So, since he was, is since it was his first time there, and he was so nervous, and he does end up winning. Do you think they should have changed the spelling of the People's Choice Award to man to mirror the Fableman spelling? So instead of P E O P L E, it should have been P E O P E L as Fableman's F A B E L. Would that have done anything for him? This uh, I don't know what it does for him, but it does a lot for me, and I appreciate mm. you for me for, too for writing me that too. joke into the doc and not just <laughs> throwing it on me audibly, because I think you really should write something now—a Fableman's review piece or whatever awards piece that where you misspell every L E word with an E L. Yeah, I might have to do that actually, and maybe just going forward in perpetuity, every E L E word is just a. <laughs> And you just God, re- that's so on the nose. <laughs> you, just, you just wrestle the PPL yeah. into submission <laughs> to that joke. Exactly. Um, speaking of other things that make me smile and maybe me alone, big shout outs to Weird Al and director Eric Apple of their movie, or Eric Appel, I guess, their movie Weird, the Al Yankovic story, won the People's Choice in the Midnight Madness Awards section. So uh, that's just, you know, two equally important biopics. That's right. Winning equally important awards, going up and, and enhancing their dual Oscars best picture uh, resumes there. Or as Weird Al put it on Instagram, oh, you know, just me and Spielberg winning the People's Choice Awards. Michael, if you had Weird, the Al Yankovic story, mm-hmm. Glass Onion, Avatar, yeah, 
Women Talking, The Fablemans. If you had all those movies in front of you right now, you could put one into your <laughs> Blu-ray player. What are you putting I in think, there? Like, what do you want to watch you right listed, now? You listed five movies, and I would still have Avatar 10th. So, uh, but yeah, no, probably weird. Probably I'd weird Al. Probably, probably plugging weird, weird into yeah. that. I I would feel guilty about it. But yeah, not for long. But at the same time, I want to watch it. <laughs> we grew up on Weird Al. That was like anyway. We're dorks. Here's some TIFF audience award stats, Michael. The award started in 1978. It has tabbed seven Best Picture winners overall, but an incredible Oscar crossover of late because it includes five of those Best Picture crossovers in common since 2008. So this has happened in the last 14 years. In fact, the last 10 TIFF Audience Award winners have been nominated for Best Picture, and 13 of the last 14 got Best Picture noms. Those same 13 films won at least one Oscar apiece, and those 13 films were at least nominated in a screenplay category with eight of those 13 winning one of the two screenplay categories. We have names the likes of Nomadland, Green Book, 12 Years a Slave, The King's Speech, and Slumdog Millionaire going on to win Best Picture. We saw uh, recently Belfast, Jojo Rabbit, Three Billboards, La La Land, Room, Imitation Game, Silver Linings Playbook, Precious Eastern Promises. Oh, I'm going beyond my 14 years. But even Eastern Promises got an actor nom at the end of the day and you go back throughout the history amelie crouching tiger hidden dragon life is beautiful all the way back to chariots of fire tiff has discovered unlikely oscar contenders and winners throughout its cool ass history we want to go to tiff that's a bucket list thing for us we we gotta do it I, i can't wait till we do it uh, sounds like everybody had a great time and it sounds like even mr feinberg at the end of the festival had a good time michael yeah, he uh he was shining the light on a couple movies that otherwise may have gone under the radar, but what was he talking about, Mike? Yeah, Freedom on Fire, Ukraine's Fight for Freedom. I've been hearing a ton of buzz because I hear documentary feature buzz. I'm one of those. <laughs> I've, I've been hearing it for, for a while that there are some incredible Ukraine documentaries that are about to hit. So this is apparently one of them. Doesn't surprise me, yeah. Uh, Holy Spider, as we said in the last episode serial killer film from Iran. Ali Abbasi uh, was mm. a big hit in Cannes. And uh, Holy Spider, really a huge hit at the end of TIFF. And then there's a, you know, your pal, Florence Pugh. <laughs> yeah, the the, uh, the wonder. Sebastian Lelio's Florence Pugh star for Netflix gained a lot of acclaim. Its Rotten Tomato score sits at 78% at last check. Its Metascore is up to a 72 so nice to see. We were wondering what that one would be and how it would land and what exactly its audience was. Apparently, it's found one at least with the critics, and they speak highly of it. We uh, more on. Well, ahead, we sorry. covered we we covered the wonders initial reception, and it was kind of mixed at at Venice. Yeah. So this is a development. It did really well at TIFF. Yeah, interestingly enough, and speaking of Feinberg, uh, he also was the one who would break the news that. Officially, the Golden Globes are back. So we go from talking about TIFF and what happened on the TIFF Awards stage and shining the light on some TIFF selections to maybe they will be awarded by the HFPA on NBC this year because that show is back, even though it may only be back for this year. Yeah, the biggest takeaway I had from Feinberg's latest piece on the Globes was that this is only a one-year deal. 
mm. which is not surprising when you think about it, but is also hilarious when you read all the press releases about how ecstatic everybody is. <laughs> <laughs> what the hell? We're we very got... happy to be showing this. Yeah, we're on, on the hot year? seat. No. <laughs> we're on the hot seat. We're facing oblivion. We're ecstatic to be returning to TV this one we last time. We can't wait I for mean, this, this award show to enter free agency and get the hell off our channel. <laughs> yeah, the SAGs are doing so well finding a buyer. <laughs> this is not good. This is not good yeah. overall. It's just not good. It's a bad look. And Scott is doing God's work in wording these articles to, to make it sound fun. Now, the Golden Globes have been fun in the past. They've been unpredictable. So let's see. November 7th is going to be the deadline for the submissions uh monday december 12th is going to be the nominations announcement so that's coming sooner than we think tuesday january 10th is that live broadcast going on a tuesday for the 80th annual 80th and final golden globe awards <laughs> definitively that's it had a nice run yeah so it's not only a one-year deal, but as Scott tells it, the 2023 show is going to be the final Globes program covered by a 2018 renegotiation between NBC, Dick Clark Productions, and the HFPA. And it's true, as of January 11th, 2023, that means the Golden Globe show is basically a free agent that can go to any network that sees enough value in it to want to entice them to come on over and give them the money they're looking for. The HFPA has been in the news, too, for adding a bunch of new voters and adding new members and we've we've stayed on top of it as much as we can i i don't know scott in his article kind of still spoke about how the entity is not viewed all that highly by a lot of hollywood i, I think we share that viewpoint now yeah, if you have to bet how many of the nominees are going to be there that's what i'm wondering. boy that's that's an interesting question 60 percent if you have to bet, over, under, 60%, three, three out of five, every category, are you betting over 60% still? You think the PR, the publicist will get them there? Yeah, I think I would, just because if you're not the favorite in the category and you do somehow win because you've bribed the HFPA enough, uh, <laughs> you can speak That's to the over, media. That's over, Michael. And- That's over. They're all getting... <laughs> right. No, it's a private entity now. Yeah. It's for profit, so uh-huh. they can just brag about the money they get instead of hiding it, mm-hmm. uh, allegedly. You, you can enhance your Oscars chances by speaking to the media. You at least have a chance to make a speech, you know, and, and give a press conference afterwards and stuff like that. So I would think your team, your handlers, would want you to go and probably implore you to go. Yeah. Well, yucky. It just feels yucky. It does. It still feels yucky. And we, we said this how many times? We don't mm. like to tell you. We, we don't like to say I told you so unless it involves the HFPA, right? Is that, <laughs> is that correct? It feels, it feels like a good planning spot for us. Yeah. All right. We got some Academy news, I think, perhaps. <laughs> there was a meeting. The Academy. Well, met, yeah, that's I mean, that's uh, something that factually happened. The Academy had a meeting with itself. Yeah. <laughs> they said kind of, sort of, that they, well, anyway, there's an eight-point plan. Yeah. Is it what eight? is it, don't die? <laughs> yeah. There's an eight-point plan. Uh, let's, let's go through these eight points. Hiring, producing teams who are accountable to the Academy, and creating a dedicated team within the Academy solely focused on the awards. 
Shouldn't that have already been accomplished? Yeah, great. You're probably about three decades too late for that, but okay. Good start. More I, on that. I, in I'm moment. in on that. Right. More on that in a moment. But determining how to best honor all craft areas on air. It's a nice sentiment, but I don't know how to do it. Nobody's been able to crack that code. The golden shower that was last year's golden hour. <laughs> They're not into that. Doing that again? No, I guess the uh, the pre-tape stuff wasn't that uh, received that well by the academy. Focusing on a love and reverence for film, as Glad opposed they, to a disdain and as opposed <laughs> hatred to the opposite. Good point. Good point. Part. Of, I'm glad they put that in a point. We eight, should focus on point. liking cinema this year. Movie lovers <laughs> unite. Yeah. creating an emotional investment in the nominees. Now, this is actually smart, because can we create, like, narratives and in, in pre-produced something well, on this a is national the whole, network? Yeah, this is the crux, I, get, I would assume, of what you and I and Mr. Feinberg on this show have been talking about. Like, make it like March Madness. Do something different to get people more emotionally invested and treat it more like sports. I mean, this is the stuff that should be akin to sports, not politics politics should be less like sports well even politics you have you want to see the coronation you want to see sure anyway and if it and if it's a competition or a coronation both of those draw viewers but mm-hmm. you've got to create the investment they can't be tuning in to the oscars for a first time saying who yeah that's a great point yeah i agree anyway point five Exploring extensions of the show on streaming. Better late than never. Okay, good. Good point. Continuing the theatrical requirement for eligibility. Mm-hmm. Yeah, of. that doesn't... I mean, the Academy has stayed suspiciously silent in terms of trying to prop up local theaters and movie theaters in general, especially during the pandemic, especially when they were one of the few entities having live gatherings and live shows which we commented on and kind of gave them criticism for it's nice to see them actually acknowledge that they want to keep theaters in business for once it's, it's good that they could acknowledge this much i just yeah. see them writing these points down and then somebody like throws a shoe and then okay <laughs> and it hits the space behind them and like all right continuing the theatrical requirement for eligibility this is the next point this was going to be a seven point plan i i guess it has to be an eight point plan now <laughs> making the red carpet an event why are we so set it but this is we've ugh, all right not gonna get that we did a whole show on this how many a hundred thousand shows on this i guess but that, make, that this improving yeah. the oscars is basically one giant show that's gone 700 episodes on mmo that's right anyway making the red carpet an event yeah it should be an event it's it is an event just film it correctly it's just a bad event right now right uh just don't have these vapid ridiculous questions about is it their time (laughs) what are you wearing (laughs) (laughs) they're gonna win because it's their time yeah great yeah good point i'm glad you're hosting all right continuing (laughs) to prioritize sustainability access inclusion and representation yes maybe you can put that above some of these other (laughs) making the red carpet important good i would say quality probably a shade more important in the grand scheme of things than uh asking brad pitt who he's wearing 
All right, let's let's talk about how they're going about accomplishing some of these things. The Oscars have hired directors and producers for the broadcast. Glenn Weiss and Ricky Kirshner will be the executive executive producers. Weiss will direct, I believe, for the eighth year in a row. Michael. Yeah. So this uh, this was on IndieWire. This was Scott covered it for the Hollywood Reporter. It was on Deadline. A lot of stuff uh, coming out about these hirings of Mr. Weiss and Kirshner. Uh, a lot of it was presumed, but has since been confirmed via the Academy CEO, Bill Kramer, during an in-person all-members meeting this week that we talked about, in which Weiss and Kirshner were announced as being hired to produce next year's ceremony. Uh, these numbers and quotes from Scott's article, this is all from, again, Academy CEO Bill Kramer, quote, from our recent member survey, we learned from our Academy members that they did not love the 94th Oscars. <laughs> Go on. It had a 20% positivity rating from Academy members compared to 61% for the 92nd only two percent like the fan favorite because it was barely there i would imagine Mm -hmm. only 17 percent approved of the pre-recorded awards and fewer academy members are watching the full show 67 percent for the 92nd 59 percent for the 94th so just about three out of every five academy members are actually watching the uh what do you call them there oh yeah academy awards so this is like the dumbest survey ever though isn't it (laughs) Can we can we just say it's like the most unnecessary? I think there's some stuff you can pull from it. Yeah, but it's the most unnecessary survey. <laughs> Was last year's show bad? Yes or no? That we knew, right? We yeah. knew exactly what they all thought before the show even happened, and then one of the most famous people slapped the, the other most famous mm. person in the face. <laughs> And it drew attention away from everybody. Uh, but, yeah. but Michael, we had every branch of the Academy basically saying, uh, this is bullshit. All that's bullshit, what they're trying to do. <laughs> more bullshit, more bullshit. It's full. You're full of shit. We hate this. <laughs> they should change it. They're not going to change it despite what we say. We're all very angry. And that was the pre-show conversation. <laughs> In writing. Yeah. From every yeah. single branch of the Academy. Yeah. So this yeah, is like, no, you're right. for them to put out a survey saying, well, how'd you think it went? <laughs> <laughs> Did you watch uh, the whole thing? Fair point. Fair point, I would say, <laughs> by you. I just, it's it goes back to the most obvious question is just how do you fix this? I have no idea what the answer. I mean, they're we've, digging we've themselves our answers. deeper and deeper into the hole, aren't they? Just But just, if you're asking the Academy... Mm-hmm. What they think about the show. Isn't that the exact wrong group you want to ask? Also Don't you want fair to point. ask like casual filmmakers? <laughs> or film goers, I should say. I mean, yeah. like film audience. Don't you want to ask the casual? How do you get the casual viewer's attention for an hour or two at a time on Oscar Sunday? Don't you like you don't want to ask the stuffiest of the stuffiest who don't watch the show anyway. There's this whole thing. And think thing, it's only for them. There's this whole thing about basically appealing to your base and winning back the base right everybody's been saying that and the base wants to go more international and the base so they're they're not as focused on the casuals and this is part of the winning back the base by basically starting from within and saying all right well the base they follow all of the attack academy members and, and they're you know they love all of the academy members so i get part of the reasoning i think but it's still a bizarre approach isn't it like i don't think you can go more niche i don't think you want to the idea that 
oh, let's just give this show for film snobs because you're never going to get a casual viewer is asinine to me. The casual viewer is where you is where you get your money. I if agree you with rope this. in the eyes that wouldn't otherwise watch. You can sell ad space at a multiple because the people that are going to watch are going to watch. I, I I will die on that hill. Like the next best pictures, the Mike Mike and Oscars, the all these outlets. Uh, it doesn't matter what the Oscar Sunday consists of. We're watching. Yes, but you've said this before about film critics, and I'll use I'll use your joke. Right now for Academy members. I don't think they can agree on a pizza topping. Yeah, they can't. Never mind how they how to fix something like that. But it's not even that. It's like what I get it. All right, you're you're surveying them what worked, what didn't work. None of it fine. I Good wouldn't start. have had Will Smith slap Chris Rock <laughs> if I could put I think that would have been different if I could Good point. Now we're not helping, but we've already helped. We've already like all this shit. I'm tired of helping. We've already helped. Now we get to guffaw. Screaming into the abyss over here. Yes, we've been screaming into the abyss in East Hollywood, Siberia. I have Connecticut. Yes, I have hope. I do have hope when it comes, especially when it comes to the Academy versus like a body like the HFPA. I like at least the Academy is saying some of the right things for a change. At least they're actually actively recognizing issues. Saying they're going to do things like create clarity and efficiency in the academy organizational structure, Good. and then actually immediately following that up by saying they're going to distribute the minutes or distribute uh, content of every board of governors meeting to all academy members going forward. Good. Like, yeah, that creates transparency. That does create a, a hierarchical structure that everyone is aware of and knows where they fall in. I think... That's a good step. I think having only the third all-hands meeting in person for only the third time in Academy history is a good step. I think there should be more of that. It's like, I, a, I, it's like a conclave of in, in, in the Vatican. Right. Yeah, Who's set covering? up the white smoke when you pick the host. <laughs> yeah, like, there you go. <laughs> said, like, the Council you, of... <laughs> of Kent twenty twenty, and I think I think you have to do these baby steps first before you do fix the show. Mm-hmm. So I I have hope, I have optimism, and as far as Kirshner and Weiss go, I mean these are two guys with tons of industry ties and award show experience. Weiss alone, he's been the director of the past eight Oscar ceremonies. He's won fourteen Emmys on thirty five nominations all for live event work like the Super Bowls and the Tony Awards and the Oscars, and all since 2003. So these are guys who know what the hell they're doing in the control room and how to structure a show. I just don't know if you want the guys that have been doing the show for the past however many years to do it, you know? If you're trying something different and new and want to spice it up and make it cool, you got to make the show cool. Or glamorous or like yeah I mean, cool. it is glamorous glamorous doesn't i don't think glamorous sells i'm just saying it's it's got to be a lot of things and everybody tends to gravitate towards what they love most about it but to make it cool to everyone is going to be hard but i think it's got to be a must watch right i mean that's for I anybody agree. who loves movies you want it to be a must-watch. Yes, and it's never going to happen because if what the casual viewer thinks is must-watch is like arsenic to what an Academy member, an older Academy member, would consider must-watch. Yeah, so maybe they take, took the survey with a grain of salt. Or 10, 
thousand gallons of it. And then a giant margarita. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds good. All right. Uh, let's catch up on a few more stories. We got the honorary Oscars that have already been announced. There are four recipients, Michael. Thank God <laughs> Diane Warren is on the list. 13 original song nominations, including noms in each of the last five years. She deserves to be an Oscar winner. I'm glad she is going to be officially one. I agree. <laughs> Michael J. Fox. Poor woman. The Back to the Future star and five-time Emmy winner. Uh, he's going to win this year's Gene Herschelt Humanitarian Award. Kudos to him. I'm, I, obviously, if Michael J. Fox didn't have to deal with the illness, he would have dealt with I mean, he was a movie star that would have... How many Oscars would he have won? It's one way, Yeah, he, he would have been... I mean, the... You could absolutely see the Robin Williams career path for him, right? Sure. Being the, the comedic sitcom actor, the beloved guy that does movies and comedies and slapstick and stuff, and then transition into more serious roles. And He, he was such a transcendent star yeah. that he would have gone, he would have done both. Correct. Spin City, by the way, wildly underrated sitcom. I was a big fan of that show back in yeah. the day, too. I remember it. Yeah. Very well casted. Peter Weir, also going to receive an honorary Oscar. He's the writer, director, and five-time nominee of Witness, Dead Poet Society, The Truman Show, Master and Commander, etc., etc. And Ozan Palsy. She was a trailblazer as the first black woman to direct a Hollywood film. Palsy was the writer-slash-director of Simeon, the Oscar-nominated A Dry White Season, and the three-time winner at Venice, Sugar Cane Alley. So hopefully... See, Everyone. that's the type of shit that yeah. like that gives me hope. That's great. Great job, Oscars, by doing that. Great job, Academy. And, and by all accounts, they had a, a, a huge night with the celebration for Satchi yeah. and Littlefeather. This this went really well and yeah, let's 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 finish on that. We talked about this uh, last week, how the Academy was basically gi- delivering a gigantic mea culpa to Sachin Littlefeather, who was the Native American who accepted uh, Marlon Brando's Oscars back in, what was it, the 70s, I believe. It was yeah. for The Godfather, Mike? Yes, early early and, 70s there, 72. She was just a lightning rod for ridicule and criticism and unfair remarks and the, all these stories about how John Wayne had to be physically restrained from approaching mm. her on stage and just the, the worst of the worst toxic masculinity BS that uh, she had to deal with as well as just toxicity in general. But yes, the, uh, the Academy did right by her, albeit decades later, but nonetheless, we're going to let her words speak for themselves. We got a few quotes from the night. Uh, this is how she opened the evening quote. Well, I made it after 50 years. You know how we Indian people are. We're a very patient people. <laughs> yeah, this is, that's perfect. Uh, apparently, she had the room laughing there. Uh, she would go on to say, quote, I was representing all indigenous voices out there because we had never been heard in that way before. And if I had to pay the price of admission, then that was okay because those doors had to be opened, unquote. So, she goes from making the room laugh to just being thoroughly heroic with, with, with that. And then she ends the night, Michael, quote, I am here accepting this apology not only for me alone, but as acknowledgement, knowing that it was not only for me, but for all of our nations that also need to hear and deserve this apology tonight. Uh, and she goes on to say, look at our people, look at each other and be proud that we stand as survivors, all of us. Please, when I'm gone, always be reminded that whenever you stand for your truth, you will be keeping my voice and the voices of our nations and our people alive, unquote. 
this is why we do this show and why we do hyperfixate on movies and the Oscars specifically, because this is what it could be. I mean, the the Uzan Palsy Award is what the Oscars could be and should be mm-hmm. and hopefully are getting to be. And this is why when, you know, our frustration comes out with the Academy, it's it's more of a frustration because we know they're capable of good versus the frustration which the HF, which we have towards the HFPA, because that's a frustration of them not striving to these ideals. Yeah, uh, I, and it I looks agree. like at least the Academy should be and is striving towards these ideals, which is great. I mean, this is what the power of movies could be, man. This is what the awards for movies could be. And yes, it, you know, on its face, it is millionaires giving small golden trophies to other millionaires. And that part of it is a bit ridiculous. But you have to have that to get to this as well. Preach, preach. Amen. That's it. That's the episode. We did I do it. I can't believe we did it. Before, you know, before the 40 minute mark. Yeah. That's shocking. That's shocking. Truly, truly <laughs> shocking stuff. Do you want to talk for like 10 minutes and just let me know what's going on with you? I do have a bit of a, you know, epilogue in the sense that, you know, we're about to do Don't Worry Darling next. Mm-hmm. And this year has just been full. And you, you got to love this. How many must see film events? have come out this year that have been critically panned. Mm. Amsterdam, Don't Worry Darling, My Policeman, The Sun, The Greatest Beer Run Ever. They're all coming. And then we've already reviewed Texas Chainsaw Massacre. I mm. watched Morbius, which was awful. I Why had to do watch. that? <laughs> I felt like I had to. I felt like I was missing out. It finally came on Netflix, and I was avoiding it. I was like, all right, we're an Oscars pundit. I don't want to punch down. I, you know, I don't care about seeing all the worst movies. It's not Mike, Mike, and Razzie. Mm-hmm. But I had to watch Morbius. It was bad. Will you ever watch it again? No, of course mm-hmm. not. Uh, Deepwater. Deepwater was not good. Kind of silly. Really, Which one was that? Really funny Tracy Letts. It's uh, with Anna DeArmas and Ben Affleck. Oh, yes, 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 yes. Okay. You didn't like it? Crushed by film critics. I reviewed it a while back. I mean, it was better than I feared, but it just wasn't very good. Firestarter. Had to see Firestarter, especially after Eric Weber's review. <laughs> Pretty bad Stephen King movie. The Gray Man. Another one. Crushed by film critics. I had to see it. Like, Where the Crawdads Sing. Crushed. But then some people like it, and some people still like it. Again, Eric Weber mm. there. But look at Where the Crawdads Sing. Had to see it, even though I got shushed in the theater. Had to see it. There's so many, <laughs> so many movies this year. I mean, I'm counting uh, the one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. Before movies like Fall. No, I'm sorry. Fall actually did well eventually with critics, seventy-eight percent. I, I, I vetted that one. But so many movies this year. Don't worry, darling. Is just the latest film event. For a movie that critics despised. What do you think of that? I have seen lately. And by lately, I mean like in the last day or two. People coming out and saying, you know, don't worry, darling, is actually pretty good. It's coming which, up. Which surprises me mm-hmm. greatly. It, it's almost like people pile on. Yeah. And they... <laughs> it's like a parade. Yeah. <laughs> weird how that happens. It's a mob um, mentality or a parade of happiness. Yeah. Mm. But we do have a lot of movies still to come in the pipeline that are hopefully, you know, not going to be shot down by critics. And Banshees of Inishirin is one that immediately comes to mind. Mm-hmm. Um, it's going to be an interesting 
couple months here, setting the table in the real Oscar sprint portion of the year, going into fall and winter. I watched Watcher too, Mike. Oh, good. Maika Monroe. Yeah, she was she was great in that. I really enjoyed that movie. Oh, you should have reviewed it in our review se- segment last mm. week. What? So, so you enjoyed the movie? Yeah, I did. I enjoyed. I enjoyed that. I watched that, and I watched Run too, with from twenty twenty, the Sarah Paulson one. Um, enjoyed mm-hmm. Watcher much more than Run, but yeah, I would agree with that. But yeah, yeah I thought Watcher. I mean, again, it's not going to blow you away in terms of the plot. You kind of know what you're in for, but really well made. Good ending too. I agree. I was yeah. a, I was a fan. I was a fan, yeah. and that was a movie that got panned by critics initially. Yeah, and then there was a and you kind of a sway. only one man, only one Mike one was brave enough to speak up. Stood against the tide. Set the record I, straight. <laughs> I did tweet about it during the onslaught at at Sundance. I don't. I don't. I D A. Oh wait. I D G A F. Yeah, that's me. There you go. All right. He <laughs> says always. What matters most to us are your thoughts, your comments, your questions. Uh, do you have anything to add here about? Well, first of all, I mean, are you looking forward to Don't Worry, Darling? What do you expect from it? Have you seen it already? And what are your takes? But uh, do you have anything to add about what happened on the TIFF stage? Did the Fableman's winning make you want to see that movie more or less? Are you surprised by the top three finishes uh, as well as anything else here having to do with the Academy's new initiatives, the HFPA's new initiatives? Let us know any and all of that as well as any other comments, questions, or concerns you have about anything we do here in the MMO Empire. You can leave us all of those on our social medias. We are Mike, Mike, and Oscar on Facebook and Instagram at MM and Oscar on Twitter, Mike, Mike, and Oscar at gmail.com.com and on Reddit. We are available wherever you do hear podcasts. If you're listening to us on either the Apple Podcasts or SoundCloud app, if you would be so kind to leave us a five-star review, if you appreciate what we do, those help us out immensely. Thank you to each and every one of you who have done so thus far. Michael, what are some words of wisdom for us to end on? And what is coming next from MMO? Well, it is wise to go back and listen to all our old episodes. Uh, yeah. Shameless, shameless plug. Uh, self-aggrandizing plug. But no, oh, we necess- were on Apple Podcasts for a week or ten days there. So it's you necessary. Guys, you guys, yeah. guys got to catch up because there's a couple episodes that didn't get to the numbers that we thought, you know, they typically get to. We, we mm-hmm. got a pretty consistent audience. So if you guys don't know about the episodes you missed, we did uh, a Venice episode where we talked about, like, the... You know, initial receptions of the whale, Banshees of Inisherin, Telluride was involved, so women talking. We did like 10 minutes on each big movie there. Uh, and then we did uh, a Barbarian review. And a Barbarian's probably one of the cooler horror movies in a while. Yeah. So if you, uh, for sure. if you like our horror stuff, we, we dabble in horror movie podcasting as much as possible. So check that out. And yeah, we got more of that to come. Halloween ends is not that far away, Michael. Cannot wait. And before that, I'm going to the New York Film Festival. I'm going to meet Andrew Morgan from from uh, Recent Activity up there. And what's on Netflix? PJ Clark's with you? He, yeah, we're trying to figure out how to do it. So if you uh, start walking, you know, maybe you might be able to meet <laughs> us there. Anyway, I think my voice is going. It's it's about to be lost. I'm sick. You're. Uh, you're you're ready i'm ready we got to end this episode so so what's coming next is don't worry darling and hopefully a restful weekend before that (laughs) which is not true (laughs) not gonna happen (laughs) right as always when reality sucks you can worry darling with us about how tiff sets the oscars stage going forward we are mike mike and oscar trying to make award season year round without the stuffiness we will see you all very soon see you